What was he going to do? Beat I, you up? I actually think it is the Cork accent. I'm not going to lie. I, like, there is something about the Cork accent that makes it the most intimidating accent, accent of the 32 counties in Ireland, I think. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Now, it's been a big seven days for reporting on and news in relation to the human rights violations in Qatar ahead of the World Cup later this year. Ian Herbert in the mail uh, on the almost fire festival-like preparation levels uh, in Qatar at the back end of last week. Nick Harris in the mail on Sunday about the 2,800 and over unexplained workers' deaths as we get set for the greatest show on earth. Um, and then there was the Denmark shirt manufacturer Hummel signing a, a sh- um, designing a shirt in protest at the tournament uh, they say has cost thousands of lives and now Sean O'Neill, senior writer for the Times writes another story arising uh, from Qatar in the Times uh, today Morning Sean Morning Adrian, how are you? Good and thanks for joining us. Who was Mark Bennett? Mark Bennett uh, was a British um travel executive, quite a senior player in the travel industry. He'd been a director of Thomas Cook and TUI. He'd, he'd helped transform Dubai into a go-to destination. And he was uh, headhunted by Qatar Airways to head up their tourism division called Discover Qatar in about 2017 with, with an eye on the World Cup. You know, the whole idea was to revamp that country's tourism infrastructure. It, didn't re- it doesn't really have a tourism infrastructure, so it's, it's building from scratch with, with the World Cup in mind. Uh, and um, the job was incredibly stressful for him because um, his family were back in the UK, um, and, and he was very—he's very much a family man, um, big rugby fella. He would go home at weekends just to watch one of his kids playing rugby, you know, and make it a fourteen-hour round trip from from Qatar to uh, to London to to catch a rugby match at, at a school. Um, so he started looking in twenty nineteen for a new job, and the new job he had his eye on was with a Saudi travel company. Um, doing a similar thing in Saudi Arabia as as he was doing in Qatar, um, and that seems to have um, well, shall we say, allegedly annoyed his bosses at Qatar Airways because um, at the time Saudi and Qatar were involved in a, a very bad diplomatic dispute. There was a blockade of Qatar by by several neighbouring countries. So Mark fell foul of that diplomatic incident, and when he resigned, he found himself in a world of trouble, basically. And was found hanged in his hotel room in 2019. I understand, Sean. The Qatar so, um, to, to fill in the gap between you know he, he resigns, he gets arrested, he gets accused of stealing confidential information belonging to the airline. Um, he's arrested by the secret police in Qatar. He's um, ele- he told friends later that he was tortured, horribly tortured. Um, you know sprayed with hoses, beaten against walls. Um, uh, I mean, he went through an awful time. So when he came out of detention after about three weeks, he was a, a shadow of the man he'd been. But he still wasn't able to leave Qatar. He spent another seven weeks in a kind of legal limbo where he wasn't allowed to leave the country. Um, and then um, uh, quite mysteriously on Christmas Eve, he uh, was found hanging in a hotel in, in Doha. And Qatar authorities reporting it as a suicide and a British coroner subsequently, um, from your report, was more dubious of that conclusion? The British coroner said no evidence of suicidal intent um, and the family had been out there. They'd seen the room where he died. His clothes were laid out to go out on Christmas Eve night. He had his gym kit ready for going running in the morning. Um, There was a book open on his bed. As one of his friends 
he's actually an ex-police officer, said to me, this was evidence of a man who had a plan for to keep on living, not a man who was planning to end his life. Mm. And as you say, the nub of the issue appears that uh, not only had he resigned from his uh, from his job in Qatar, but that, that there was the possibility that he was going to take up this job in Saudi Arabia, and perhaps that that was the, the nub of the issue. What? So you've made inquiries, obviously, locally. Um, what sort of information have you been able to get back from Qatar authorities in terms of their response to this? Well, the, the Qatar government didn't respond. We sent a whole string of questions to them. They didn't answer us at all. Uh, they've subsequently answered Channel 4 news and said, they don't. Nobody gets ill-treated in Qatar's prisons now. I think the United Nations and, and various other bodies might quibble with that one. Um, Qatar Airways said he left on good terms, and um, they subsubsequently found out uh, alleged that he leaked confidential information, and that led to them being forced, being compelled to report him to the police. So they said whatever happened to him after his arrest was a police matter. Mm. And we're seeing, as I outlined at the top, more and more reports in terms of the working conditions for people in, in Qatar. From your report, it seems very very much that employers hold the whip hand there um, oh, for, it's for, kinda, for workers it's, across it's, the board. It, it, one man I spoke to who worked in a senior position in Qatar always said, no matter whether you're a, a manual labourer, you know, he said, if you're a Pakistani labourer working on a building site or you're me, a well-paid British executive working for Qatar Airways, the employer owns you. They basically own your life. You have to get permission to leave for the weekend. You have to get permission to leave the country. You know, you're, you're strictly you're well paid if you're a, if you're a top executive, but you're um, you're controlled. You're owned. Qatar obviously is a 10 billion investment package in the UK and, and maybe more than that across the board. Um, that package specifically brokered by Boris Johnson obviously over the last couple of years. Uh, Liz Truss had her part in it too. Does that quench the thirst in some regards of official Britain to look into this case and cases like it? Uh, I would say yes. Um, I mean, it was quite interesting as we pieced the dates together of what happened that um, uh, the Foreign Office closed the file on Mark Bennett's case a week after Liz Truss became Foreign Secretary last year. Uh, the following month, October 2021, Liz Truss was in Qatar for talks with the Amir. Uh, the following May, so you know, six months ago, um, uh, the Amir was in Downing Street to sign this £10 billion deal. And that's just the latest in multi-billion pound deals. You know, Qatar owns 20% stake of Heathrow Airport. It owns the Shard. It owns... Harrods, you know, it, it, it's a massive and a growing player in the British economy and its money is desperately needed, I suspect. Is there any sense that this, because it's somebody who comes from a, you know, um, a country, the might of Britain, that this has some sort of a greater impact than, than the other deaths that we've seen, Sean, or your sense of um, where this can or will go from now in the lead into the World Cup? Uh, I, I don't think it'll make much difference here. You know, like I said, the foreign office have closed the file here. They're, they're more interested in maintaining good relations with Qatar. Um, what I'd like to see is more uh, a response from the sporting world. You know, um, I see people like Gary Lineker who tweet all the time about social justice issues and, and campaigns and things. Never seems to mention Qatar and what happens in Qatar. I see Michael Sheen giving. Uh, stirring speeches to the Welsh rugby team, and and, and he's a pretty left wing uh, uh, character in in his political uh, leanings, but never seems to mention the human rights abuses in Qatar. And I think it's down to people like that to make a noise about what's happening in Qatar and try and enforce change. You know, not David Beckham pocketing a few millions to make a promotional video for the country. 
you the podcast of uh, uh, of the story is available as well if people want to go and download it and I would recommend that they do you spoke to Mark Bennett's widow you spoke to his parents as part of the reporting as well there's a human uh, horrific toll out of this that isn't just a number there is and, and of course the people we didn't interview and, and, and don't really focus on it Mark had three children you know he, he's got kids who are growing up without his guiding hand now um and it seems to be simply because he, he, he tried to change jobs. And, uh, and that seems barbaric, you know. Um, you know, whether he took his own life or whether he was murdered, uh, there's no doubt that what happened to him in detention in Qatar had, had a huge influence on the end of his life. Sean, thanks for taking the call this morning. Okay. Sean O'Neill, senior writer with The Times, bringing us the details of that uh, pretty horrific story in relation to Mark Bennett. And we shall continue to bring you those stories as we uh, lead into the World Cup. Um, and there are plenty of them out there. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.